we walk through our psalm of the day. Uh, psalm 116, not 148. 116. And the first 14 verses. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. And then I called on the name of the Lord. O oh Lord, save me. The Lord protects the simple-hearted, and when I was in great need, he saved me. Be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. I believed, therefore I said, I am greatly afflicted. And in my dismay, I said, all men are liars. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. And Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, through the humiliation of your Son, you raised up the fallen world. Grant to your faithful people, rescued from the peril of everlasting death, perpetual gladness and eternal joys through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our first reading of the day from the book of Acts, as we traditionally do during this Easter time, and from Acts chapter 2. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Christ and Lord, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This is the word of the Lord. In our epistle reading from Peter's first letter in the first chapter. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, 
who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that we preach to you. This is the word of the Lord. I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From Luke's gospel in the 24th chapter. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Now, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? He said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him... They did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. This is the gospel of our Lord. Maybe see. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for bringing us to your house for a place of rest, where you give to us in your word and in your sacraments as 
we hear of your promises fulfilled for us in Jesus. We pray that you guide us by your Holy Spirit. Lead us and remove distractions from our hearts and minds as we hear those very promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Two to four miles an hour. That's about the average pace that people walk at. I'm sure you knew. Uh, some walk faster than others. I know trying to keep up with my mother, she walks at about 12 miles an hour, I think. And walking with toddlers is sometimes half a mile an hour. Unless they're crawling, then it's probably closer to that 12-mile-an-hour spot because they seem to just go so fast. But two to four miles an hour. And I, I tested this the other day because that's what pastors do in the middle of the week. At a dentist appointment, so I walked down to the dentist appointment. It's just shy of a mile down to the dentist's office, and I got there in 15 minutes. That'd be about four miles an hour, except that was only 0.9 miles. So add another tenth of a mile on there, I was right in that three-mile-an-hour range. On flat ground, not talking, on a sidewalk, good shoes. Now think of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. It was a road. They had good roads. The Romans built some really good roads. They had a solid walking path. A little dirtier. Shoes probably a little bit less comfortable. And distraught. And talking. Probably closer to the two-mile-an-hour range. Think about that. A mile every half hour, you got a seven-mile journey, three-and-a-half-hour walk. When was the last time that you took a three-and-a-half-hour walk in one direction? Or both. I don't know, round trip. I mean, we don't do that very often. When was the last time you took a three-and-a-half-hour drive? Still probably not as common. But think through the time you have to think and ponder during that time frame. As you're driving along, maybe one other person in the car, an hour goes by, maybe you haven't said anything, and then all of a sudden a question comes up and conversation starts, and maybe that drive is happening after a really hard situation. There's a lot of quiet time while you think. And then there's a lot of conversation time as you just try to process the things that are going on. And sometimes you even start to lose focus on the road miss your exits, all that kind of stuff. But just imagine these disciples walking along this road, trying to wrap their heads around everything that had happened over the last three days. Because this is Easter morning that they're walking. If you read it in the context of everything that's going on, that very day, the very day that Jesus rose, that very day that the resurrection happened, that very day that all the promises were fulfilled, they still are trying to wrap their heads around it because it seems like they've got almost all the pieces to the puzzle but just can't see what it's making yet. Most of them are in place. They even say so. Now, it's also interesting to think, like, we're nowhere in that story at all. There's things that happen in that story that definitely apply, and we can see how they may affect our lives here and there. But being in this place, like I've said before, you're not wondering about the resurrection. You see it clearly. But they didn't quite yet. And so as they walked along trying to do all these things, Jesus just strides right up next to them and starts striking up a conversation. That's always a fun thing, right? And it's so simple. What are you guys talking about? Well, all the things that happened in Jerusalem. 
Oh. What things? <laughs> you can imagine the dismay on the two disciples' faces and the bewilderment just going, wait a minute. For a whole week, the place was in an uproar because it's the Passover celebration. And for the whole week, everybody knew that Jesus rode into town on a donkey. And for the whole week, everybody knew how he overthrew the tables in the temple and cleared it out. And everybody knew how he was then bounced back and forth between Herod and Pilate and the chief priests. And how he kept saying how he was going to have to die and suffer and be crucified and be buried and rise again on the third day. Everybody knew all that stuff's going on and you don't? What do you mean, what things? You're the only visitor to Jerusalem that has no idea about what's gone on? Even today? And there's little bits of imagination that I love thinking on. Because you can just imagine Jesus with a little smirk and a little snicker almost. And just a little chuckle, right? Because <laughs> he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I am the only one that didn't quite know. Because you're talking about a dead man. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so as he just goes on to talk to them and say, well, didn't you know? Didn't you know that the Christ had to suffer all of these things? Didn't you know? Hadn't you heard from God's word or from the very word of God himself that all these things had to happen so that he would be uh, lifted up in glory, so that he would be given into that glory by the Father? Didn't you know that the Messiah had to walk through all of this? Because that proclamation of faith that the disciples had was so close to everything and they just said you know we had hoped this was the one we had hoped this was the guy that would redeem israel and little did they know that he actually had and then from that moment on that three and a half hour walk whether or not he met them in the middle, however long the Bible study of the old scriptures was that Jesus walked them through. But from the very beginning to the very end of Malachi, from Genesis to Malachi, from all of Moses' writings, through all of the prophets, everything that we see as the Old Testament, everything that they had as their set of scriptures, Every single bit of it, he said, oh yeah, check this out. Okay, that part in Genesis 3, when they're talking about a promise of the seed of Eve, that's me. Everything in the promises of the prophets that are talking about a Messiah, oh yeah, that's me. Remember David? Yeah, that's pointing to me. All the Psalms that he wrote, and he kept talking about one who had to hang on a tree and be forsaken and then rise again. Oh, that was me. And remember all of those things where God promised to take care of his people? That's me. And yet they still couldn't quite see. Have you ever had that? Someone's given you all the pieces to the puzzle. Someone's given you all of the information. And you just don't quite know what to do with it. It's a rough thing. It's like somebody handing you a music sheet and you can't read music. All the information's there. But it looks like ants walking on a page. You can't make any sense of it until someone points it out. And even at that, as they get where they're going to go, and he walks just a little bit further, and they say, no, 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 come eat. Come eat. Come sit with us. 
come enjoy a meal with us. See, hospitality was an amazing thing. Not a whole lot of hotels or inns in that day. And so if you were to shoo somebody off, that was seen as a social disgrace. So you welcome them in. You offer them food. You give them shelter. You give them a place of rest. And in that place of rest, this guest now becomes the host. They've welcomed him into their place. They've welcomed him in as a sojourner and a traveler. And now all of a sudden, he's sitting there blessing the bread. He's sitting there giving God thanks. He's there breaking the bread and opening their eyes. Because the whole point of this entire section of Scripture, the whole point of this whole account has really nothing to do with how we live or how we take care of folks or anything like that. It's to tell you that Jesus is risen from the dead. He's walking along and present with his people, and he is there. Whether they see him or not, initially he is there to open their eyes. He is there to prove that he's alive. He's there to show them that forgiveness is fulfilled for them and for you. Because Christ is risen he is risen indeed. Alleluia. What joy that brings. To know that Christ is alive, that he's not buried, but that he is living. And then from that moment, they run the seven miles back, I'm sure at a much faster pace, to catch the rest of the disciples, to find them all gathered together, rejoicing as well as they say, The Lord is risen. And he's like, Yeah, we know. We didn't know it right away. But man, he opened our eyes and then all of a sudden he was gone. Because his physical presence wasn't actually needed for them to believe in him anymore. He had opened their eyes, their hearts. Filled them with the faith to know that what he had spoken is true. That all the promises that God had made for them and for you from Genesis to Malachi fulfilled in the Christ the Messiah, the Anointed One, Jesus. And now we get to gather together and enjoy that same peace that he brings to his disciples, to enjoy that same gathering that he gathers his people together with as we rejoice in the fact that our Lord is risen and that the promises are fulfilled. We get to live in that wonderful joy. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have given us through your Son, through Jesus. The Messiah crucified and buried, the Messiah risen, knowing that all of your words are true. That he was the exclamation point on the promises. And that those promises remain active today as they were for uh, the people of Israel. Knowing that your love is shown to us in him. So we pray each day that you continue to keep our eyes focused upon him, knowing that no matter what challenges come up and no matter what the things are that we cannot see clearly, you have given us all things in Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as we sing.